0: I'm Mandy Faber, and this is Dedicated to the Dead, the show where you get to hear the life story of someone who has died as told by the people who love them and mourn for them. I hope you're all taking good care of yourselves at the end of this year, which has completely flown by for me. Um, I wanted to connect with all of you before the beginning of the new year and before I publish a guest episode to the show. A couple of months ago, I was talking to my sister, Lisa, and I mentioned to her that this concept of progress keeps swirling around my mind, um, that I just really felt like I've made progress this year. And in a separate conversation with my other sister, Lydia, uh, she specifically said to me, I think her words were, you have come so far. And I agreed with her. And I still do. I really feel like I have come very far. It's been a long time since I've had a big emotional cry about Bob. And I would say it's probably been about four months. The last time I really remember crying hard about Bob was back in August, as I observed the three year anniversary of his death. Um, so I wanted to explore this concept of progress and I think it's appropriate for the end of the year and I hope all of you will reflect on your progress too. So when I googled the word progress, um, the example sentence that popped up with the definition was the darkness did not stop my progress and I thought well how appropriate is that? Uh, If you're listening to the show, it's safe for me to assume that you've lost someone you love at some point in your life. And you've likely experienced or are experiencing darkness, which can be especially difficult during the holidays. Maybe you have resisted or are resisting moving forward. Maybe you're feeling like moving forward will somehow move you further away from your dearly departed loved one. I know I've felt that way many times since I became a widow and with kind of every milestone I've taken in my grief journey, I have felt kind of moving further away from Bob. But progress and moving forward don't really mean that we forget our loved ones or leave them behind. Uh, They're always with us. I always feel like Bob is with me and that he always will be. And while our grieving can't and shouldn't be rushed, to kind of push back and resist making progress or moving forward isn't really emotionally or physically healthy for us. And I know it's not what our loved ones want for us. I know it's not what Bob would want for me. Um, all you and I can do when faced with the tragic loss of a loved one or any kind of traumatic experience we might encounter in our lives is put one foot in front of the other and take baby steps. You know, those cliches that are cliche for a reason because they're true. <laughs> Take those steps to return to the world of living, you know, that world that obscenely doesn't stop, even though our world is falling apart or has fallen apart. So maybe today is the day that you managed to take a shower or put on some clean pants, or maybe you're further along than that. Yay, you! Wherever we are in our journey, um, there's always some progress that we can make. So around Thanksgiving, I filled out the final page in my journal, and it is my third completed journal since Bob died suddenly in 2015. Uh, This last journal was larger than most of the previous journals and held about two years worth of entries for me. And I pretty much journal every day with a couple of exceptions. So it spanned from November 2016, which was one year, three months, uh, post-Bob to, as I said, just last month, which makes it three years, three months uh, post-Bob. So as I prepared my new journal, to start my new journal, I decided to look back at some of the earlier entries in my old journal. And I read these entries during my morning reading time over several days and um, you know, I read five to 10 minutes every morning um, as part of my Miracle Morning practice. Um, the Miracle Morning practice is based on the book, The Miracle Morning by Hal Alrod. And it's a morning routine I adopted several months ago. It's not the only reading I do throughout the day, but it is one, It is part of my Miracle Morning practice to read five to 10 minutes every morning. So, So here's the thing. As I read through this journal... I was amazed uh, at the motion, at the emotional progress I've made in the past two years. Um, at the beginning of the journal, there were so many entries that had, uh, you know, so much distress and uh, sadness. So many that began with "I'm so exhausted" or "I can't take the pain of missing you." And mind you, this was already 15 months after Bob died. It isn't as though it was just a few weeks or a few months. So that just goes to show you that you really can't rush your grieving. But entry after entry that I read in the beginning of this journal was filled with so much raw grief and pain. And yet, even in those dark times, I managed to sprinkle in some gratitude, Uh, a sign of progress also, I think. Um, I would write at least three things I'm grateful for. And that's a practice I started several years ago. Bob and I did it together. I think we started it in about 2011. Um, But in my journal, I wrote how I was grateful for the simple progress I'd made, like taking a walk outside or cooking a favorite meal that I hadn't made since before Bob died. Um, Then later in the journal, I wrote about much bigger steps I've taken, like setting up my online dating profile. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, do I have a lot to say about that adventure, but um, that will be a separate episode altogether. (laughs) But I do want to touch on my progress in that area just a little bit. Around the time I began dating, which was about 16 months after Bob passed away, there are a lot of journal entries that describe the anticipation or really anxiety of my first post-loss kiss and everything that I felt when that huge milestone actually happened. Like like a lot of widowed people I experienced I I mean, I was freaking out before my first date. I will tell you, I nearly vomited before I went on that first date, just so you know. And thankfully, um, my niece Paige, who was living with me at the time, kind of calmed me down and said, it's just coffee. (laughs) So I went, and of course, it was fine. But um, you know, just as I felt a lot of anxiety about that first date, I felt a lot of anxiety about my first post-Bob kiss. And in my journal, I wondered and I wrote about whether I would feel guilty or if God forbid, I would burst into tears after that first kiss. Can you imagine the poor guy if that had happened? Um, Anyway, I, I debated myself over a lot of days, weeks, and pages. Should my first post-loss kiss be with a new man who knew very little about me and my love for Bob or should it be with somebody that I knew and who knew my story, someone who could really comprehend the weight of the moment and not run for the hills if I did start to cry, but instead who would, you know, maybe tenderly understand why I was crying. Um, in the pages of my journal, I also explored the options of who that first kiss would go to among the eligible candidates in my life at the time, which were pretty slim. <laughs> I wrote about the very handsome single coworker who didn't know that I existed, uh, at least at least not romantically. Um, Then there was the longtime friend who happened to also be a widower. His wife had died four years before I was widowed. But since he was nearly a thousand miles away, that wasn't very likely. (laughs) And finally, there was the very attractive bad boy acquaintance who was also a widower. Um, He and I were previously professional colleagues We had only communicated, we we had uh, reconnected through LinkedIn, and for the most part, we had only communicated electronically, but quite flirtatiously. He was more than 2,000 miles away, and let me tell you, I am so thankful for being that far away from that potential trouble, or you could say fun, depending on your perspective. (laughs) Anyway, I I fantasized about kissing all of these men and I felt a mix of emotions during some of those fantasies. I felt excitement, guilt, sadness, nervousness, you name it. I felt it. But, you know, in the end, my journal reminded me of my progress. When I was truly ready for my first post-loss kiss, it happened. Actually, I should say they happened because There were many kisses that first time. Um, Those first post-loss kisses were really romantic and sultry. They were deep and long-lasting. They were the kind of kisses that Kevin Costner's Crash Davis describes to Susan Sarandon's Annie Savoy in the movie Bull Durham, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. But those kisses were not accompanied by guilt or surprisingly, they weren't, I didn't long for those lips that I was kissing to belong to Bob and I was surprised by that. And I was really glad that those lips belonged to the man I was now kissing. Yeah, he was somebody I met online. I was very attracted to him and he was thankfully highly skilled at the task. (laughs) And you know what? I did not burst into tears. I thoroughly enjoyed the moment of being held and touched romantically again after so many months of despair and loneliness. And actually, I think the timing of those kisses was perfect. And I knew I had made progress in the romantic readiness department. But what about the other areas of my life, like how sensitive I could be? Um, I, I, I consider that because, you know, in the beginning of your grief journey, you're so sensitive to everything. Sometimes people try to comfort us in our loss, but their words and sometimes their actions, unfortunately, are just insensitive and hurtful, even if that's not their intention. When this happened to me early on, and it did a lot, I would be so hurt, and I'd get pretty angry about it. I would always think, they just don't get it. And I have to admit that sometimes I was so hurt and pissed off that a little part of me would want them to get it, which is awful because we all know what it takes for someone to really get it. It means that they have to suffer a devastating loss like I did. Of course, as time passed, I realized it was wrong to hope for people to get it. Uh, Of course, I don't want anyone to experience what I did after Bob died. But now when someone says or does something insensitive about my loss or during life in general, actually, I don't take it personally. And that progress came about thanks to a little book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I had read this book years ago, but I had never really applied The Four Agreements to my life. And then about two years ago, um, Michelle Steinke Baumgard, who is One Fit Widow, I'll tell you a little more about her a little later. She um, she mentioned it, and I thought I should reread it. Well, I didn't get around to reading it again until I want to say the fall of 2017. But let me tell you, it has been life altering for me this time around. And I have made the commitment to reread that book every year um, to, to ensure that I focus on applying those agreements to my life every single day. And if you're frantically asking yourself, what are they? Are you going to tell me what they are, Mandy? I will. Um, They are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best they sound pretty simple, right? Wrong. <laughs> These very simple concepts are sometimes very difficult to apply to your life. Like when you encounter some jackass on the road who is driving recklessly or tailgating you. It's, it's difficult. It, it, it just isn't very easy, even though they, they do sound simple. But now, when someone says something that I would, in the past, think of as hurtful or insensitive, my thought is, especially if it come, if it's about my loss, my thought is, isn't that wonderful that they don't get it because they haven't experienced the pain and loss I have? I hope they never get it, actually, because, like I said, to ha- to get it, you have to go through it. But I know in the end, everyone will get it because everybody will suffer some kind of loss. Uh, Or lose someone that they love. Well, you know, as I moved further through the journal, I came across entries where I describe uh, friends' experiences with losing loved ones over these past two years. When I review these entries, I can actually feel my progress as I read my hopes and prayers for them to heal. And as I recounted my desire to support them through their losses. Hell, I, I've been through this horrific situation, which is different but similar. Maybe I can help someone else through it, just like others helped me. You know, paying it forward. For me, that was a blaring indicator of my progress. Me having the uh, emotional capacity to put aside my loss and grief to comfort others as they grieve their dead loved ones. It's devastating to me that they now get it because I I know, and for those of you who've lost someone, know. The years of suffering that they'll enter as they process their grief so in in comforting these friends and only when I've been asked for advice on how to embark on this path of grief i i I explained that for me, grief was an action um it, it wasn't something that happened to me, and um. Fortunately or unfortunately, as I started my grief journey after Bob's death, I knew what I was in for based on a tragic loss that Bob and I suffered about three, a little more than three years before he died. Um, um, we, we knew, I, I knew after Bob died what I was in for based on what I went through the last time. And I didn't want, my grief journey for Bob to just happen to me haphazardly. Um, Bob's death is what happened. The grieving part would be the action that I would take. And in in my experience to really grieve required my participation, my active participation. It required me to seek tools that fit me and my life and my situation. It required me to learn how to use those tools and apply them in different situations along my journey. And good Lord, if you know me, you know, this is how I operate. Uh, Anytime there's a guidebook or an instruction manual, I'm all over it. But, but I completely understand that everyone will take different steps and turns on their journey. But for me, surviving Bob's death depended on my willingness to participate in the grieving process and I, I have to say that my active participation, I, I think, has, has yielded remarkable results in in my efforts to live my best life. And at first, it was because I, I wanted to live my best life for Bob, and I knew Bob would want me to live my best life. But then it evolved into wanting to do it for myself. <laughs> Because I get to be alive and Bob doesn't. I get to choose how I want to experience life and Bob doesn't. And you know what? I want to have a kick-ass life. I never thought in a million years that I'd be able to survive or live without Bob. And yet here I am doing quite nicely. Thank you very much. So maybe you're wondering what tools I sought out. Well, it's a long list. Um, It includes a grief group through a local church that I was not a member of. And a lot of local churches have um, uh, grief programs as part of their ministry. Um, The program that I attended gave me some really practical tools like uh, making a list of all the losses I experienced with Bob's death. I mean, we know that in Bob's death, I lost my husband, my best friend, my lover. But I also lost. I lost things like the person who did all my home repairs. (laughs) Um, The person who took the garbage cans down on garbage day, I lost my skiing partner the person I watched The Amazing Race with, the person I gardened with. When you sit down and list out all of the things that you lost with your loved one, it's shocking how long the list is. And um, when I first engaged in that exercise, I, I was surprised at how long it was initially, but then I kept adding to it. And I think the last time I reviewed it, there were like 65 or 70 different types of losses that I experienced with Bob's death anyway other tools are I had regular appointments with a grief therapist Uh, that's really been helpful to me lots of journaling obviously we talked about my journal and then um Engaging with the One Fit Widow community on Facebook. Uh, this was a recommendation my friend Jeanette made to me shortly after Bob died. Um, she unfortunately had another friend who was widowed and had come across the One Fit Widow Facebook page, and she recommended it to me, and I'm so thankful that she did. Uh, it is an amazing community, and um, I really focused on embracing that community and, and, and and also letting it embrace me, I think I think that's been even more wonderful for me on my grief journey. Um, if you've experienced any kind of loss, you don't have to be a widow to follow One Fit Widow and to benefit from all of her wisdom and all of her inspiration. Um, I highly recommend following her page. It's One Fit Widow and one is spelled out FIT, F-I-T. Um, and really she, you know, she and her team who are amazing focus on, um, fitness and experiencing nature to process grief and to live your best life. Uh, and she also wrote a great book called healthy healing. So I highly recommend that book too. I've read countless books on grieving. Uh, that's another tool, uh, and how to rebuild my life. One of the most helpful books I read the first year was uh, called Healing After Loss, Daily Meditations for Working Through Grief. And I think it's the author is Margaret Whitmore. Um, and that was just a short little book that a friend of uh, the mother of a, of Bob's friend gave me. Um, and it was just a savior to me on some days, and just really helped me process what I was feeling on some days. And it didn't take any time to read it. I mean, it was, you know, under five minutes for sure. Um, And then after that first year, I transitioned from that book to um, another uh, book of meditations called the book of awakening by Mark Nepo, which is also a wonderful book. Um, he is a renowned poet who has been on super soul conversations with Oprah and he's a cancer survivor. Um, so his journey, his grief journey is different than mine, but there are still a lot of similarities. Um, Self-care, that's such a trendy word right now, but I did engage a lot in a lot of self-care and my therapist was always asking me about my self-care, but, you know, just things like eating healthier foods, trying to avoid sugar and a lot of carbohydrates, uh, those things tend to make you feel more lethargic, um, which grief does anyway, um, Deepening my yoga and meditation practices um, that has been really helpful, and luckily I practice at a fantastic studio called Yin Yang Pilates. Ding ding ding! Shout out to Yin Yang Pilates in Lake Zurich, Illinois. Um, they, I, Bob, and I had gone there to practice yoga together, so they they knew I they knew Bob and, um, they really embraced me and comforted me after Bob passed away. So it wasn't a big deal if I ended up crying in yoga, which I have done several times. <laughs> um, and then I traveled a lot after Bob passed away. I really, I, I really experienced a strong sense of wanderlust and, and I engaged in that, um, and uh, let's see. It was a lot of work. My my grief work was a lot of work, and it's been exhausting at times. But you know, applying all of those tools at different times in my life really helped me rejoin the world of living, and I would say with joy and with gratitude. So for me, all that work is worth it, including the heartache and tears that were part of that work. I'm sorry I'm sniffling after crying. I just can't stop sniffling. <laughs> so so back to my journal. Um, so in reviewing the journal at the beginning of another holiday season, um, that naturally brought forth a lot of reflection about the holidays and getting through them and, and the progress I've made in that regard. This Thanksgiving, which was the beginning of my fourth holiday season without Bob, was honestly easier. It, it wasn't easy, but it was easier. I didn't experience a lot of anxiety leading up to it like I have in past years. Uh, I enjoyed the company of my sister, my brother in law and nephew who always stay with me, I always enjoy their company, but it was even more enjoyable this year. Of course, I thought of Bob, which I do each and every day. But when I did think about him, it was, you know, about something funny or sweet that he did, or, you know, his favorite foods or something about Thanksgiving dinner. And my thoughts of him, you know, they, they didn't come necessarily with tears. But when it was time for my family to sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, there were a few tense moments. To be honest, I, I, I thought some of those things were pretty trivial and that people were being too sensitive and certainly not applying the second agreement. Don't take anything personally. And I, I was feeling a, a, a lot of anger about those moments, knowing that whatever minor detail of the day didn't go right, or whatever quick comment someone thoughtlessly said, they, they just paled. They paled in comparison to the fact that Bob is dead and not sitting by my side at dinner. And for a minute or two, I was sitting at a table of 14 people, and I felt really alone and insignificant. And I did feel like I was going to lose my shit at somebody and burst into tears or scream at the top of my lungs. But I took some deep breaths and I didn't do either of those things. You know, until later when I was home and alone in bed, then I had to cry. Um, But that was progress for me to kind of hold off, to kind of sit back and just gather myself together and not, not give in to that burst of emotion that was trying to come out of me. So after my sister, brother-in-law, and nephew um, left that Sunday after Thanksgiving, you know, it's time for the Christmas season to begin. That meant decorating the tree that thankfully my brother-in-law and nephew put up for me before they left. Thank you, Jimmy and Stevie. Bob and I loved decorating our tree together. You know, if Bob had his way, we would have been putting the tree up after Halloween. And I was like, no way. But when we decorated it, we would talk about and admire every single ornament. Where did we get it? Who gave it to us? How long have we had it? Where were we when we bought it? Um you know, and Bob's favorite ornament is this little blue porcelain plate with an image of Santa and a short excerpt from the poem "Twas the Night Before Christmas" on the front and the back. And if you want to see it, I posted a picture of it on the show's Facebook page a few days after Thanksgiving, so you can check it out there. But you know, thinking back to Thanksgiving in 2015, um, I vividly remember feeling like I could barely breathe when it came time to put my my tree up because that was only three months after Bob died. And I seriously considered not doing it, but through tears, my family reminded me of how that would just not fly with Bob and they were a hundred percent. Right. So one of my sisters and a couple of my nieces came to my rescue and did most of the decorating for me that first year. Um, I I think I, re- I sat and watched mostly and kind of gave direction like, like Lucy Peanuts. <laughs> I was the director. Uh, it was difficult. It was emotional. But it was also pretty beautiful. And I'll always be so grateful to them for taking good, such good care of me that day. But this year, I decorated my tree all by myself and I smiled through a lot of it and thought of Bob uh, as I, you know, placed each ornament on the tree, especially all of his favorites. I listened to Christmas music while I decorated it and honestly, I enjoyed myself and the results of my labor. For me, that was huge progress. So as I flipped further through the journal My entries aren't nearly as sad as they were in the beginning. Um, The progress I've made is still very evident in those entries as I express gratitude for walks in beautiful spring, summer, or fall weather, or for fun times that I've spent with family and friends. And then there's the first entry in August of 2017 about my dream to create this podcast. This is a dream I had swirling around in my head for several months, but it wasn't until I was at a One Fit Widow adventure weekend uh, in Bozeman, Montana. Um, the One Fit Widow uh, team puts together these adventure weekends several times throughout the year, and this one happened to be in Bozeman, Um on these trips, you know, we do things like whitewater raft, and uh, we hike, and we climb mountains, we do some amazing, amazing things. But anyway, at this weekend in Bozeman, that was the first time I had uttered the words of my dream out loud. Um, It was the first night And Michelle had asked us what we would do if we could walk away from our jobs and do anything we wanted to do. And my hand just shot up like a bat out of hell and I blurted it out. I wanted to create my own podcast. And she was like, oh my God, do it. It's awesome. And throughout the whole weekend, I got amazing encouragement to pursue this dream of mine from not only Michelle and Keith and uh, you know, my close friends, but all members of the tribe that I socialized with over that weekend. They were just so wonderful and supportive. Um, during that weekend, Michelle also encouraged us to take baby steps towards toward, towards our goals. She, she asked us, um, how do you eat an elephant? And then she answered, one bite at a time. And that question and her response to it have played over and over again in my head during these past sixteen months. Um, it's actually a mantra of mine. Uh, I had worked on a few podcasts in in the workplace, but I had no idea how to get started. I didn't know anything about equipment or software or um, podcast platforms or how to how to get it uploaded. Uh, so. That dream kind of lay dormant since I was so busy with work I was I was uh, commuting to work like an hour and 20 minutes a day and working you know not crazy hours but like 50 hours a week and then in March, I got a big push. no, I got a huge shove from the universe in March of this year I was laid off from work and I have to say I was not disappointed. <laughs> I was kind of excited. And I think I might have had a little bit of a smirk on my face when my boss told me I was just really excited about being given the gift of time to work on my podcast, among other things. Uh, And after taking some time to get a few things in order, like preparing to sell my house, I made my dream come true. I launched my podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. Like I said, I had to use YouTube and Google to figure everything out in terms of equipment. And um, some friends of mine who are way more knowledgeable than I am, were really helpful to me. My good friend Barbara Wickman and my friend Cameron Stanley helped me figure out how to do some minor editing on GarageBand, which is what I use to record my podcasts. But anyway, I figured it out with a lot of help, and here I am on iTunes, Podbean, on Stitcher. I'm on iTunes, people. You have no idea how exciting this is for me. And I cried when I received the email notifications from, you know, iTunes confirming that my show, my dream, was up and running. Uh, For me, that is amazing progress. But I'm not done. I still have progress to make and many things to learn and try in this new life. This new life that I didn't ask for, but this life that I'm so grateful for. So, those are my thoughts on progress, my dear friends. I hope you all have a wonderful, happy, safe new year. And I hope I've given you some food for thought and that you'll take the time to reflect on the progress you've made in your grief journey, whether your days, weeks, months, or years beyond your loss. You've survived this far. And I know you didn't think you could. And I know that there were times you didn't want to, but you just got to keep going You just got to keep going. So until next time, which I promise will be a guest episode. (laughs) I'm Mandy Faber, and this has been Dedicated to the Dead. Don't forget, you can bring joy and healing to people who are grieving just by asking about their dead loved one and listening to their story. Our fantastic theme music is by my very good friend, the wildly talented Sean Jelinek. You can check him out at seanjelinek.wordpress.com. That's S-E-A-N-J-E-L-I-N-E-K.wordpress.com. Please subscribe to my show and rate and review it. And I also hope you'll follow us on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at d 2 d podcast all one word that's d as in dedicated the numeral two and d as in dead podcast on facebook we're dedicated to the dead all spelled out and on twitter we're at d2d underscore podcast happy new year everyone